Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people in the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Sandy Park, a retiree from both American Federation of Teachers and AFSCME. Thank you to all our listeners. Your support makes Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hi, and I'm Scott McCullough, a member of AFT Local 4848, the Wisconsin Professional Employees Council. Today, we have an update on workers' fight for a fair contract at True Stage, learn what to expect from changes in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, get an update on the writers and actors' strike, and much more. And, if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WORT and Labor Radio. OPEIU Local 39 and True Stage returned to the bargaining table this week following a union-led march in Madison's Capitol Square on Saturday. Greg Jaboski has the latest. What's disgusting? Union bossing! What's outrageous? Poverty wages! What's disgusting? Union bossing! What's outrageous? Poverty wages! What's disgusting? Last Saturday morning, starting around 9 a.m., workers at True Stage, formerly CUNA Mutual Group, represented by the Office of Professional Employees International Union, the OPEIU Local 39, marched down State Street to Capitol Square during Madison's weekly summer farmer's market, marched around the square, and held a rally at the Capitol. Local 39 has been battling for a contract with True Stage since February 2022 and has already staged an unfair labor practice strike against the company. Victoria Gutierrez, a nurse and a member of SEIU Healthcare, explained why she was there as she circled the square with the crowd. I'm out here in uh, solidarity with our brothers and sisters in OPEIU Local 39 who have been in a struggle with their contract and so out here saying that the struggle continues and we're still in solidarity 100% behind them. At the rally following the march, Local 39 members, elected officials Melissa Agard and Mark Pocan, community representatives from the Workers' Rights Center and from Voces de la Frontera, and representatives of the labor movement expressed support for the union from the Capitol steps. Here is Mike Jones, president of Madison Teachers Incorporated, the MTI, calling out true stage management and pledging his union support. Tell me how you make nine figures in profit and then go and pretend that you are cash poor. You have, as employees and as members of OPIU, you have stood and, and come through for your community time and time again. You're one of the reasons why my unit and my, our employees were able to get our cost of living adjustments because you showed up with the community to support educators in Madison. And it's, it's high time that our community shows up and supports you in your fight for what's right. Joel Bryan, a developer at True Stage and a member of Local 39's contract action team, talked to Labor Radio after the march and rally. There is something really awesome about literally just marching around the Capitol Square and seeing all the people like pointing their phones at you, seeing some kids dancing on the sidewalks. The energy was really cool. A lot of people saw us. Like awareness was there. So I thought it was really cool. On Wednesday, the union and true stage management sat down with a mediator and continued talks. Labor Radio spoke yesterday to Joe Avica, Local 39 Chief Shop Steward for the workers at True Stage, who told about where he sees the situation right now. 
So unfortunately, the company seems fairly tone deaf and unable to pivot when it's clear that they need to. We met with them last night through mediation, and their proposal back to us was to stand on everything except for offering a small increase in recognition bonus uh, that would be agreed to upon ratification of the contract. So they're still threatening to eliminate the pension plan, to offer wages well below inflation, all despite record profits. So it's unfortunate, but at the same time, our membership is also really confident and feels really encouraged by the rally that we had on Saturday. His union is sticking with their basic demands, says Avika. We see no reason to accept eliminating the pension plan when the company is doing as well as they are. There's no sense in creating a two-tier system where new workers get half of the retirement benefits that current workers receive. Making more money off the backs of the people who are making the money for you is, let alone not being fair, it's just bad business. As negotiations drag on, another issue is gaining in importance, says Avika. The other thing that's really important for our members is retroactive pay for our contract because we've been without a contract for more than a year and a half. Uh, That's thousands of dollars that the company is withholding from people and still paying them wages based on 2021 rates, which is pretty awful. Local 39 awaits findings for the National Labor Relations Board to adjudicate. Although two counts have gone in the union's favor, at least seven counts, including a charge that Avika himself was illegally terminated by True Stage for his union activities, remain outstanding. The union plans on staying its course, Avika said. The next steps are very similar to the steps that we've already taken for the last year and a half. We're going to continue to educate our membership about what's going on. We've already sent out bargaining updates to them. We're going to organize in order to put pressure on our employer to meet the demands of workers for a fair contract. You know, ultimately, it's just what True Stage is doing is it's sad. Uh, it's not fair. It's also not good for the employer. Avika outlined actions the community members who support the union can take. Continue to pay attention to what's going on in the media, participate in any public actions that we have, like the rally we did on Saturday. If you are a credit union member, I would actually recommend that you go to your credit union. Many of them have True Stage representatives there that offer True Stage's products and services. Let them know that until they reach a fair agreement with their workforce, that you're not going to agree to accept any True Stage products or services at your credit union. Here is Liz Kidder, a senior claims professional at True Stage and a Local 39 member, speaking at Saturday's rally. They have lied to us. They have tried to intimidate us, and they have retaliated against us. It didn't work. We are still here. We're still fighting, and we are going to get what we deserve, and that's a fair contract. So, Opie, I'm your Local 39 friends and family. Please join me, and let's make them hear it. Who's got the power? We got the power. What kind of power? Union power. That was Liz Kidder, a true stage worker and member of OPEIU Local 39, speaking Saturday at a rally at the Capitol in Madison. Local 39 supporters have put up a website at truestageunion.com that has social media links and a link to a strike fund. Joe Avica was interviewed by Labor Radio's Frank Emsbeck. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jaboski. Teamsters Local 662 represents workers striking at two plants in Wisconsin. Line and Kugel is one of them. Carol Weidel reports. Line and Kugel's Brewing Company was founded in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin by Jacob Line and Kugel in May 1867. Miller Brewing Company bought the brewery in 1988. Today, Molson Coors, a global brewery giant, owns the brewery. 
Tom Strickland, Secretary Treasurer of Local 662, said, quote, Lining Kugels has been brewing in Chippewa Falls for over 150 years, which is a point of pride for both the facility's workers and the entire community. That storied history of success wouldn't have been possible without the hard-working Teamsters who keep the operation running, unquote. Teamsters Local 662 also represents the workers at another facility, New Dairy Select, formerly known as Morning Glory, in De Pere. Workers in both disputes share the same priorities, fair wages and health care. The Teamsters Local 662 Solidarity Fund will help offset the loss of wages and health care costs. Listeners can learn more at the website teamsters662.com. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. Wisconsin State Supreme Court Justice Janet Protasewicz assumed her role as our newest justice on Tuesday, August 1st, tipping the balance of the state Supreme Court in favor of those who support reproductive rights and revised state legislative maps. Labor Radio spoke to Wisconsin State Senator and Democratic Minority Leader Melissa Agard about what the new court makeup means for the citizens of our state. On August 1st, Justice Protasewicz was sworn in, changing the balance of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. How does this impact everyday people in our state? For over 13 years here in Wisconsin, our legislature has been completely off balance. The majority party has become the majority party and solidified that because of gerrymandering, because they've rigged the system so that they don't have to be accountable to the good people of our communities, the people who are represented by them. And with Justice Protasewicz now on the bench of the Supreme Court in Wisconsin, we have seen Law Forward file a case very swiftly, I believe less than 24 hours after she was sworn in, to address the fact that we do not have fair maps in Wisconsin and that we need a remedy for that. And it's clear Whether we're looking at statewide elections and the fact that Democrats are winning an overwhelming majority of those statewide elections, or if we look at individual policies, like protections of workers in the state of Wisconsin, or the expansion of paid family medical leave, or ensuring that we have childcare opportunities so working people can be at work, so that the workforce behind the workforce, our childcare providers, can be respected, or so that businesses have employees coming in to be able to do the jobs that they need to do for our main streets to continue to run. All of those issues are directly impacted and not moving forward because the majority party is tone deaf to what the people of Wisconsin want. And with this lawsuit that has been filed by Law Forward that our Supreme Court will be taking up, we're hoping that we can fix those maps to increase accountability 
Certainly elections will be harder for people like me if we have more fair maps, but I want to make sure that the people in Wisconsin are actually electing who they want to represent them as opposed to politicians rigging the system so that they can continue going to the Capitol and doing the bidding for their wealthy and well-connected friends as opposed to the people of our communities. What are some decisions that might come before the court? One of the very first things that they're going to hear is this redistricting case. We're also anticipating a case being brought before them in regards to whether or not the nurses at UW Hospital have the ability to form a union. I believe that we're going to have cases come before them in regards to a woman's right to choose their health care and having abortion access in the state of Wisconsin. I believe we're going to see cases that directly impact environmental protections, ensuring that we don't have PFAS and lead and nitrates in our waters. I am excited about the fact that we will have a more balanced court, a court that will protect the Wisconsin Constitution, but also be in alignment with the people of the state of Wisconsin and the intent of making Wisconsin be a more just community for everyone. What do you want people to understand about the Supreme Court of our state? The court system is slow and it's deliberative. Despite the fact that Justice Protozawitz was sworn in this week and that we have cases that are moving through the courts, it is still not a quick process. It's vitally important that we're patient with the process and also that we stick to our values. 2024 in Wisconsin is going to be a wild year for politics. Not only do we know the road to the White House drives right through the state of Wisconsin, Senator Baldwin is on the ballot for re-election, and we have the opportunity for fair maps for our legislature to become more balanced because of the Supreme Court. That was Wisconsin State Senator and Democratic Minority Leader Melissa Agard. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. Starbucks workers plan a national day of action. Frank Emsbach reports. On Monday, August 7th, Starbucks workers are leading a national day of action. Starbucks workers are targeting stores across the nation, asking customers to sign a pledge stating, quote, no contract, no coffee, end quote, and pledge support to the Starbucks workers seeking recognition for their union. Workers United is asking supporters to adopt the store and participate in leafleting customers. In New York City, for example, the New York City Labor Council has asked supporters and union members to adopt one of the 300 Starbucks stores in the cities and come to the store and leaflet. Volunteers who sign up will be provided a convenient location and background information. The actions in New York City are part of nationwide efforts to encourage Starbucks to recognize the union in the more than 300 locations where workers have voted in a union. Public pressure on Starbucks to recognize the union is increasing. In Boston, for instance, Starbucks closed the store on Commonwealth Avenue after Teamsters refused to cross the picket line set up by striking Starbucks workers. The Teamsters supported the Starbucks workers because when the Teamsters shut down a large Amazon facility near Boston last month, six Starbucks workers participated in the picketing. In July, students at Cornell University began campaigning to remove Starbucks as a contractor on the Ithaca campus. Starbucks has many institutional contracts with universities, and various student organizations are considering joining the movement to ask their universities to remove Starbucks as a contractor. I am Frank Emsmack for Madison Labor Radio. McDonald's in Louisiana and Texas are in hot water for child labor law violations. Sean Hagerup has a story. 
Federal investigations at 16 McDonald's franchise locations in Louisiana and Texas have found child labor violations affecting 83 minors, the Department of Labor announced on July 25th. In Louisiana, investigators with the department's Wage and Hour Division discovered a company named CLB Investments, LLC, employed 72 workers, 14 and 15 years old, to work longer and later than the law permits at 12 restaurants around the greater New Orleans metro area. The division determined the employer allowed three children to operate manual deep fryers, a task prohibited for employees under age 16. The department assessed assessed CLB investments with $56,000 in civil money penalties for violations found at the 12 locations, one of which is now closed. The division also found similar violations at four McDonald's locations operated in Texas by Marwin and Son LLC in the outlying communities of Austin. Investigators found the company employed 10 minors, 14 to 15 years old, to work hours longer and later than permitted. They also learned the employer allowed seven children to perform jobs prohibited or considered hazardous for young workers. Specifically, minor employees were tasked with operating a manual deep fryer, oven, and trash compactor. The department assessed Marwin and Son with $20,000 in money penalties for its violations. Quote, Employers must never jeopardize the safety and well-being of young workers or interfere with their education, explained Wage and Hour Division Regional Administrator Betty Campbell in Dallas. Quote, While learning new skills in the workforce is an important part of growing up, an employer's first obligation is to make sure minor-aged children are protected from potential workplace hazards. These findings follow a May 2023 announcement of federal investigations that found child labor violations by three McDonald's franchise operators in Kentucky, involving more than 300 children at 62 locations in four states. The department has seen a 44% increase in child labor violations compared to the same period last year. In the fiscal year 2022, the division found child labor violations involving nearly 4,000 children nationwide, itself representing an increase of more than 60% since 2018. Information in this story was sourced from a July 2023 report published by the Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Sean Hagerup. Bangkok, oriental setting in the city don't know what the city is de la creme of the chess world in a show with everything but Yule Brenner. Time flies, doesn't seem a minute since the Tyrolean Spa had the chess bars in it. All change, don't you know that when you play at this level there's no ordinary venue. It's Iceland, or the Philippines, or Hastings, or, or this place. One night in Bangkok in the The Economic Policy Institute just released a report detailing the importance of unions in the fight for racial equity. Labor Radio reporter Abigail Levins breaks it down. The economic benefits of unions are clear. Union affiliation generally leads to better pay and job protections. The Economic Policy Institute report released this week argues that these benefits specifically extend to minority groups. Quote, unions also significantly reduce economic disparities between black and white workers. Specifically, unions reduce racial wage gaps and racial wealth gaps are smaller among union members, end quote. 
The report said that organized labor is second only to the civil rights movement in its ability to equalize the labor market and decrease racial disparities in the labor market. The report gave several examples. First, it explained that black union members on average get a 14.6 wage boost from collective bargaining, which is higher than the average 13.5% boost for all union workers. Additionally, Hispanic workers have higher union wage advantage than white workers. Second, the report found that the racial wage gap is decreased for union members. They also boost women's pay. And unions help to prevent arbitrary firings. Generally, black and Hispanic people report more unfair firings than white workers. Black workers were fired arbitrarily 50% of the time, with Hispanic workers at 52% and white workers at 47%. Union contracts often require a clear and justifiable reason for firing a worker and thus work to prevent these gaps. The report added that unions promote democracy and generally help to preserve voting rights. Specifically, they support affirmative action and policies that benefit black households. The report concluded that we should pass laws to strengthen unions. They said we should especially pass the Protecting the Right to Organize Act and the Public Service Freedom to Negotiate Act. Finally, the authors said, quote, far too many public sector workers do not have the right to collectively bargain. This includes the teachers, police officers, and sanitation workers provide critical services to our communities every day, end quote. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Abigail Levins. Writers and actors across the country are still on strike against the entertainment industry's major production companies. Earlier this week, the employers reached out to the writers to meet today, Friday, in California. Labor Radio reports on the ongoing strikes. Over 180,000 writers and actors are continuing an economic strike against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers this week. 20,000 writers represented by the Writers Guild of America have been on strike since early May, and 160,000 actors represented by the Screen Actors Guild joined the picket line late last week. Both the writers and actors point to the anachronistic nature of their most recent contract, and especially its inability to govern work and a radically changed business model as the driving force behind their action. Both groups are demanding increases to residuals paid out for work that is hosted mainly through a streaming service like Netflix, Max, or Amazon Prime Video. The unions are also demanding regulations on the use of generative artificial intelligence in the production process. Actors say that AMPTP's most recent proposal would allow major studios to scan and reuse the likenesses of background actors in perpetuity, while writers say that studios are non-committal when it comes to restrictions on using artificially generated scripts. Studios and their executives have been clear about employing attrition to bring an end to the strike. It has been almost 80 days since writers have been able to schedule a negotiation session with studios, despite persistent offers by the Guild to do so. A report by Deadline cited studio insiders who claimed that the studios don't intend to meet with writers again for, quote, several more months, and that, quote, the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. On the ground, studios are engaging in other underhanded tactics to make life for strikers more difficult. NBC Universal was accused this week of trimming back trees that strikers used for shade outside of their Los Angeles studio lots and using construction barriers to restrict the movement of union members, both of which have spurred investigations by the Los Angeles City Council and National Labor Relations Board. 
Meanwhile, studio executives like Disney's Bob Iger seek to spin the consequences back on the union. Well, I think it's very disturbing. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. It's a shame. It is really a shame. Union actors and writers on the line have corrected the record. Actor Sean Gunn had this to say about modern studio executives like Iger. I think that when Bob Iger talks about uh, what a shame it is, he needs to uh, remember that in 1980, um, CEOs like him made 30 times what the worker, what their lowest worker was making. Now Bob Iger makes 400 times what his low, lowest worker is. And I think that's a shame, Bob. And maybe you should take a look in the mirror and, and what, ask yourself, why is that? While writers and actors walk the picket line, Further changes across the entertainment industry are being hashed out by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE. IATSE represents theatrical, technical, and other support workers across the entertainment industry. This week, the union's Broadway branch reached a tentative agreement covering approximately 1,500 wardrobe, hair, and makeup artists locally referred to as pink contract workers. Even so, it is likely that many of the union's California-based membership would honor the writers and actors' picket lines for the duration of the action. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Sean Hagerup. OSHA added Dollar General to its severe violator enforcement program. Carol Weidel has the story. A federal investigation has found that despite more than $21 million in penalties since 2017, For workplace safety failures, Dollar General continued to expose employees at an Austin store to the risks of blocked exits and fire extinguishers not maintained or mounted as required. Following an inspection opened in January 2013, the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration issued citations to Dollar General Corporation and Dolgan Corp. LLC one of the nation's largest discount retail chains for two serious and two repeated violations and proposed penalties of more than $298,000. OSHA Area Director Monica Munoz said, quote, Far too often our inspections at Dollar General stores find exits and pathways blocked by boxes of merchandise, rolling carts, and other materials endangering the safety of employees. The company must take action immediately to correct hazards that can prevent workers from exiting quickly during an emergency, unquote. Since 2017, OSHA has cited Dollar General Corporation and Dolgan Corp. LLC in 240 inspections. OSHA's finding in Austin are similar to those found by agency inspectors at Dollar General stores around the nation. Recently, the agency proposed nearly $10 million in penalties after more than 30 investigations between February 1, 2022 and April 20, 2023 in Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. In 2022, the agency added Dollar General to its severe enforcement program, which includes employers who have shown an indifference to their legal obligations to provide a safe and healthy workplace. Based in Gulletsville, Tennessee, Dollar General Corporation and Dolgan Corp. LLC operate 18,000 stores and 17 distribution centers in 47 states and employ more than 150,000 workers. Dollar General has 15 business days from the receipt of its citations and penalties to comply, request an informal conference with OSHA's area director, or contest the findings before the Independent Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission. 
Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. Thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Sandy Park. Thanks to editor Frank Emspack, assistant Robin G, reporters Greg Jaboski, Sean Hagerup, Janine Ramsey, Abigail Levins, Carol Weidel, and damage control specialist Joe Ann Powers. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, web poster Anya Lee, and to all our readers and the members of IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. And I'm Scott McCullough. We also like to thank all of the generous contributors to Labor Radio and to WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts and the Professor Bill Clark.